1: From Patty O'Furniture. Hey, can I just say how much I love that name? That's freaking hilarious. Patty I, I actually love that name, by the way. Patty O'Furniture
2: says, how does not allowing recruits to sign letter of intent until December protect players? It would seem to help only the top prospects while scrolling over the dominoes lined up behind
1: them. Oh, it's getting worse. Uh, have you seen the new thing now where basically if you sign a letter of intent, it's really not even binding anymore? Did you see that rule that passed last week? That's not for the players, folks. Patty, and you're correct. These things that the that the that the NCAA say is for the players who 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 from the players is arguing for that, who's the representation at the board meeting for the players arguing for that? There's very little. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, this is what the coaches want. The coaches want to be able to easier poach players from other schools. They don't want an early signing period because then they won't be able to steal those players from other teams. It doesn't even matter now, though, that NILs basically mean nothing. But it's not about the, like if a player just wants his recruitment to be over, it's almost impossible for him to do so. And that's just the reality because the, at the end of the day, the NCAA does not give a rip. I mean, have we not already established this? The NCAA does not care about student athletes, right? We, we all understand yeah. that, right? Are we all on the same page on that now? They don't I agree. Yeah. The NCAA cares about making money and the players don't matter. Cause the players are cycled through like, that's the reality. The players come and go. Yep. The coaches and the the administrators and the people, those are the people that they listen to, shouldn't, because those people clearly have shown they have no ability to understand how to run this business. They're gonna it's all gonna be self-serving. Like, is is Nick Saban really gonna get on there and say, hey, like we're I'm gonna make these rules that are gonna benefit everyone else and hurt us? No, he's not. Now, I actually think Nick Saban's one of the few coaches that has actually been the most honest that this is bad for the game. And he even warned people, hey, if you guys don't change this, I'm gonna take advantage of it. Right. That's what's been impressive about Nick Saban. I mean, in in some regard, I think there's a little bit of disingenuous to it. Right. Because he he can. He's always been buying players. It's just, you know, now everyone else can buy players. So I I think even then, but his warnings have been legitimate. This is not good for the game. But most of these coaches that say stuff like that, it's it's for themselves. It's it's really about what's best for them. There's like nobody looking out for the players right now. That's the saddest thing. You know, but at the end of the day. The players would end up making the same decisions. Look at the NFL. The NFL players agreed to a 17-game schedule. Like everything that's going on right now from a schedule standpoint, for the most part, is something players have agreed to. Because why do they agree to it? More games means what? More money. More money, yes. money. That's it. But there's nobody looking out for the players. And the NCAA doesn't make decisions based on what's best for the players. They don't. Like the, Here's a perfect example. Targeting. Well, that's a rule that's for the. No, that's a rule that protects them from a liability standpoint because they saw all the this lawsuits that were happening to the NFL about concussions and CT was it CT um, CTE CTE and all that. That, yeah. that was like this is a proactive move to to protect them from liability. That's exactly what the – Hey, we had rules in place to not allow this kind of thing. It's not yeah. about looking out for the players. Let's be real about that. So why would this kind of rule be for players? So, Patty, you're correct. It's not – it has nothing to do with protecting players. Nothing at well,
2: all. Well, and th- then NCAA passes the NIL stuff but then doesn't
1: – Right. They don't do anything with it. They right. don't restrict anything. They, right. it's just, they don't they give really any guidance to, go... to the players. There's no – like, right. I mean, you almost penalize schools for – at first, like, schools could not in, be involved with their players. So you're just throwing them to the wolves, these professional yes. – you know, hustlers, these lawyers. And I mean, there are there some lawyers out there looking out for these kids? Yeah, there are. There's always good sure. people in every profession, but you just threw them to the wolves and, and you're asking these, like my parents would not have been able to, when I was that age, would not have been able to immediately tell the difference between a, a person that's actually trying to help me and a person who's trying to help themselves. I mean, th- sure. that's what makes those people good at what they do. Yep. And they just threw them to the wolves, man just because they're cowards. So no, they don't care about kids. They've they've, they've never really cared about kids if we're being honest about it. It may be very early on, but I should say once TV got into the thing and, and the money became huge, that's when they really stopped caring.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Okay. Uh, Adam Latz says, so does D.C. has to visit every defensive recruit, every big-time recruit? Yes. <laughs> absolutely.
2: Yes. So Especially if 90 minutes away. <laughs> yes.
1: Thank you. Yes. Yes. Every big-time five-star recruit? Yes. The defensive coordinator should absolutely go visit that guy. Go look at where Jared Parker was flying to this spring. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They should absolutely do that. We had a question from Michael Collins
2: says, what position is Josiah Kia expected to play? Or sorry, he's talking about Kahana Kia, his older brother, expected to play when he returns. And how does it impact positional recruiting
1: in future classes? If at all, thank you. So he's supposed to be back in 2024, right? Correct. Correct. Yep. So you could, so this is also partly why if you miss on the two linebackers that they're supposed to get back, I wouldn't necessarily just go take a guy to take a guy. If they get Kingston, thrilled. If they get Bradley Shaw, thrilled. But if they don't, it's just like, look, you've got three kids last year. You got the two kids in this class. You're getting Kahano back. Just just go with it, you know, and yeah. just move on to next year and try to hit a home run next year. That's what I would do. But I would imagine Mike, because that's what he was playing when he left. The the only thing is, right? We don't know what his body's gonna look like when he gets back. Now, I know he's been like in yeah. North Carolina, but like I I just I don't know. It's the unknown. He could come back 240 pounds and be ready it's to possible. rock and roll. I have no idea. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we'll honestly don't know. But Mike would be most likely where he's projected to yeah. play. P- players usually move in, right? You
2: don't usually mm-hmm. see Mike's move outs like to Will or to Rover or right? anything. Mm-hmm. That's not a, usually yeah. a
1: transition that and, happens. And when it is, so. it's because there, there's a need somewhere. Yes, exactly. Not, not the other way around. We had a question from Tim B. He
2: says, can you explain the on-field production draft pick history angle of recruiting for Notre Dame? I feel that they need to get it done on the field and in the draft to close the gap, agree or disagree. Talked about that a lot. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because like,
1: look, here's the thing. Here, Here's, there was somebody on the message board yesterday and it was actually a really well thought out, well argued point of view. I just strongly disagree with it. And the notion was, that Notre Dame needs to stop having the four for 40 be the number one selling point, that it should be number three. And that the, you know, the the NFL and other stuff needs to be one and two. And I said, here's where I think that's misguided. Whether you prioritize your on-field success, number one or number two, it doesn't matter if it doesn't equal what your competition is doing. Right. Right. And so to me, the one thing that makes Notre Dame unique is the four for 40, the four for forever pitch, right? It's the academic. It's what we can do for you beyond the field. That's the best thing you have going for you. That's your separator. That's the only reason you're even in the game with some of these kids, right? Well, we end up not getting a kid. Yes, but you wouldn't have been in the game if it wasn't for that. So why are you even in the game? Well, it's because number one, number two, and number three aren't there. So to me, Ryan, the four for 40 academic piece always needs to be number one. What you need to do, however, is you need to make sure number two and three is better. And that's exactly what Marcus Freeman said to Chris Zorch. He said it to us uh, when he was the defensive coordinator. it's like, look, kids want three things. They want to know that they can get a great education. Most kids. They, they want to know they can get a great education. They want to play for a championship. And they want to go to the NFL. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Because if you were a top business major and you were being recruited by Notre Dame's business school and Harvard and all this other kind of stuff, wouldn't you care about who gives me the best chance to find success in my chosen field of course you would it's no different for athletes and so when you look at a Keon Keeley and Keon makes his choice now again I don't d- agree with Keon's choice but I understand why he made it it's it's say okay your product number two and three are not good enough to compete with Bama no matter what you do so why would you then sacrifice the one thing that you have over alabama in hopes that maybe this kid will care enough about it or a parent will care enough about it to where we can win this one. Because, Ryan, you and I have seen a lot of battles where Notre Dame got a kid recently, the 23 class, that was a highly ranked recruit. Perfect example, Braylon James. If you'd have tried to sell something other than the academic piece for Braylon James, guess what, folks? He's at Stanford. Yes. Yeah. So you have to keep what you have best to be your number one sales pitch. Do you think they got Jaden Greathouse because of their past production or champion? No, it's because they sold the other stuff. Now the key is do a good enough job coaching to where you make a better on-field product and then start developing these players. Take Get more Isaiah Foskies and turn them into first and second round picks. That's what you need to do. Right. right. Get Joe Waltz and turn him into first round picks. Get Benjamin Morris and turn him into first round picks. Then it makes it easier to recruit the big time players moving forward because two and three have caught up to number one. And can I also
2: say, Brian, I, I again, we're we're going too far one way or the other. Because now people are like, no, no kid cares about the four hundred and forty. That's not correct. That's you're just, not right about dumb. that.
1: Like to say it's not even go, close. To me. Go, and we're talking. You're talking about top hundred kids too. We're not talking about three stars. Right. We're talking about top hundred kids. Yeah. Jeremiah Love is at Notre Dame for one reason and one reason only. Academics. One reason only, yeah. Yeah. because yeah. of Notre Dame's academic situation. That's it, folks. hundred yep. percent the reason. And you know who says yeah. that? Jeremiah. Jeremiah's His dad. dad. And every yeah. coach that recruited him. <laughs> right. Yes. Jay Braylon James top 100 recruit is at Notre Dame for one reason and one reason only the academic piece. Yeah. So to sit there and say kids don't care about that, that's your own prejudice in this. And I'm not talking prejudice from a racial standpoint. I'm talking about prejudice from a thinking kids only care about what you care about or what you think the media has told you that these kids care about.
2: Listen to my interview with Justin Thurman earlier in the show and tell me that that kid doesn't care about academics and the four for 40.
1: Please tell me that he make another decision down the road because Notre Dame's not good enough from a football standpoint. Of course he might, but it doesn't mean that that doesn't matter to him. Are you going to tell me that Myron roll did not care about academics when he chose for no, he also wanted to be an NFL football player. He knew and believed in himself that I can achieve these academic goals the guy was a Rhodes Scholar. He's a isn't he like a Oxford brain surgeon now? <laughs> yeah, something, something like that. that. Yeah. He played yeah. at Florida State. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't care about no, but what he what he was smart enough to realize that this school may give me one, but this school over here can give me two, and I can and I am going to make sure that three is correct. So to say that kids now are there some kids that don't care? Absolutely, guys. That's always no. been true. That was true when Notre Dame had four straight number one ranked recruiting classes. There were still kids that were not going to give Notre Dame the time of day. Despite the fact Notre Dame had won a championship, was beating Miami, and was landing number one classes, there were still kids that were not going to give Notre Dame time of day because they either wanted money or they didn't want to go to class. It's always been true. But there's way more kids than people think that care about academics. If Keon, if Notre Dame's football resume was the same as Alabama's, uh 100% guarantee you, Keon Keeley's at Notre Dame right now, I guarantee you, but it's not close. And that's the difference. Get that better. And then it makes it easier to do the other thing. I promise you that's true. And I know that because I've been doing this for over a decade and Ryan's only been doing this for two years. And he's learned that easily because of a conversation with kids. And we have seen a lot of kids pick Notre Dame for the four for 40, and we're not talking about the yeah. three stars. We're not talking about the kid that they flipped late and they beat somebody, you know, Adi Tagumba Ogandiji, a kid they beat Western Michigan. It's not who we're talking about. We're talking about Jeremiah Love. We're talking about Braylon James. We're talking about Charles Jagasaw. We're talking about Brennan Vernon. We're talking about Drake Bowen. Yeah. We're talking about Jaden Osbury. You're going to tell me that Notre Dame's four for 40 wasn't a huge reason why James Jaden Osbury picked Notre Dame? It absolutely was. You're going to tell me it wasn't a huge reason why Christian Gray picked Notre Dame? Why do you all think Micah Bell, whose brother plays at Georgia, came to Notre Dame? Why do you think Micah Bell told Georgia thanks but no thanks when Georgia came calling? Yeah, Georgia, Georgia tried his- to
2: flip him. Yes. Yeah, right. Why did he say right. no?
1: Why did he say no? Because he's a high a great student with offers from Ivy League schools. That's right. why. So again, we can point to reality without just going off on the deep end of saying that this also is not true because there's just no, there's like, I I don't know why it's so hard for us to just actually discuss facts and say, that's not good enough. That has to get better without then going off on the far opposite end. It's like, that's where we are now, whether it's politics, whether it's culture, whether it's sports now, it's like, there's no one having a rational conversation. It's either I'm throwing bombs from this edge or I'm throwing bombs from that edge. And that's why we can't have conversations anymore because when one thing happens, we get in our feelings and we just go skyroting in that direction of negativity or whatever the case may be, overly positive because I can't allow the negativity to s- subscribe and we can't have grown up conversations. Like right. it drives me nuts, but we're going to have grown up conversations and that's just the reality of it. And if you don't like it, there's plenty of other shows that you can go watch. There are. I'm good. I'm good.
2: We had a super chat from Eric Crawford. Eric, thank you so much. tuning in late. Thanks for hosting a show holiday weekend. 10-year-old son Evan asks, did you see signs of defense playing
1: faster in spring with more time under Al Golden? Uh, Yes, but it's hard to really know for sure because it was was part of blitz packages and practices. And you're going to look a little bit faster, but I'll say this. The timing looked way better this spring. Players were playing with a little bit more of a pep in their step this spring. End of the day, though, Eric, we need to see it in the fall. But part of the optimism I do have, and Ryan, you and I have talked about this off air, but part of my optimism is coming from what I saw in the spring. It's not just wishful thinking. Gee, I hope it's like, you know what? Like JD looked pretty good in the spring. Jack Kaiser looked pretty good in the spring. Uh, You know, Xavier Watts looked pretty good in the spring. Riley Mills looked pretty darn good in the spring, right? I mean, Javante Jean-Baptiste showed me some stuff in the spring. It's coming from what we saw, uh, but you have to temper that because it's still the spring. Right. But yes, Eric, I I do think that there was um, that we did see that we did see some of that. I'm sorry, Ryan, I, I have to pull this. This is not a comp. This is just uh, right in the middle of all these people losing their minds. This question from Robbie Sevier uh, or this comment just ate a giant burrito. Feel better already. I love, love it. it. Love it. Yes. Perspective, my friend. Absolutely. Love it. Here we go. We got some super chats down here. Wicked Bronco Productions says, what's your read on Notre Dame after the Scott
2: decision? Do they plan on keeping on him? Is he still coming for the Ohio State game? Any backup plans for defensive line? Updates on wide receiver? I thought Mama Scott wanted Notre
1: Dame. Mama Scott wanted him to stay in the North. Yeah. I think she likes Marcus Freeman a ton. She likes Chad Bowden a ton. She was going to let Justin make his own decision, even if that meant going a far away from home. But the only time I've ever heard of, of, of Mrs. I don't know if of, I think it's Mrs. Scott. Only time I've ever heard of her putting her foot down, not even putting her foot down, but she really wanted him to stay in the North. I don't think she necessarily would have been upset, whether it's Michigan or House or Notre Dame. She would have been perfectly fine with the coming to Notre Dame, but no, I don't yep. think she was necessarily pushing him to Notre Dame by any stretch. Now to the first part of your question, Ryan, I would absolutely stay on him. And I want to absolutely bring him in for the Ohio State game. Because if they if they beat you, so what? He's going to go to Ohio State. But if you beat them, maybe you have a shot to go out there. And Because here's the ultimate scenario. If you don't keep recruiting them, I promise you, you're not going to flip them, right? I mean, that's obvious. Let's say he's, hey, just Justin, come to the Ohio State game, just to only, if for anything else to watch the team that you're going to play for, play against us. You go in that game, Al this D-line out plays Ohio State's D-line, Notre Dame wins a game you still may not be able to flip them, but at least now you've got something to sell to him and maybe he'll listen. Maybe he won't. I don't know the answer, Uh, but um, you know, we'll we'll have to find out. All right. Next super chat here from wicked Bronco productions. He says, seems like Scott committed uh, based off visit highs goes from uh, a Notre Dame lean, Miami lean, Georgia lean, Michigan lean, Ohio state. I don't think it's over, especially if we blow out Ohio state, make him realize he messed up. Um, Look, I I think there's something to that. Ryan, I do. He he's he's had a very emotional recruitment, right? I, yes, w- I would agree yes. in that regard.
2: I, I would agree with that part. I would say this: though, Wicked Bronco Productions. I t- we talked about this earlier in the show. I would feel a whole lot better about potentially flipping him though if he picked a Southern school and not a Northern school. Like I just think it's going to be a much harder pull to be able to now outdo a committed Justin Scott to Ohio State than if it was Georgia or Miami. Like that's just kind of where I am at.
1: I think it's going to be a tough one. Very much so. And, Ryan, we yep. said that last week. If, yep. if The best thing for Notre Dame would have been if he stayed uncommitted or committed to a Southern school. Which, it's, it, it, it's no different than we thought it was Michigan, right? That's what we said. Like, yeah. It's going to be tough to flip him from Michigan. It's going to be even harder to flip him from Ohio State, guys. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, especially not
2: because Notre Dame was probably third in the pecking order. Well, it was best. third in the pecking order of
1: Northern At schools. Best. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, and I would argue he liked Miami more. It's just he wasn't willing to go far away from home. Exactly. So they just faded further and further and further down the list with that kid. It was really it. just not good. That's it. Kevin Horton with the super chat
2: says guys, what was our last consensus five-star recruit on the interior line? Aaron Lynch question mark. What was our last first round draft pick?
1: Last first round draft pick was 2019 with Jerry Tillery.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, last consensus interior. I mean, Aaron Scott was just or, uh, Aaron Lynch was not a five-star and he was not an interior player. Yeah, he was an edge, so I I don't know. I I couldn't tell you. I know Sheldon Day was a five star by one service. I think Scout had him as a five star consensus. I no clue. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, but I don't care because you know who else was not a consensus five star recruit? Quentin Nelson, Michael Mayer, yeah. right? Joe Walt. I, I really or don't care. or the last interior defensive lineman going the first round? Jerry Tillery. So he's yeah. a freaking <laughs> offensive lineman. He was ranked <laughs> right. as an offensive lineman by right. half the recruiting services. Graded him as an offensive lineman. So yeah, I mean, Notre Dame had a second round draft pick at tight end named Troy Nicholas that most of the recruiting services ranked as an offensive lineman. Right. So I just don't care. Um, but to to Kevin's bigger point though, Ryan, they do need to upgrade the town of the interior of the defensive line. They've done a better job of it. I mean, there's some talent there. There's some Gabriel Rubio was a top hundred recruit, right? Riley Mills is a top one fifty guy. But Jason Onye was a guy with a lot of ceiling. Tyson Ford was a top hundred guy. There's some guys there. They just have to continue to upgrade the quality and the consistency in which they bring in that kind of talent. That's certainly a need for an upgrade there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll go with you on that one.
2: We had another super chat from Ricky Bronco productions. Thank you so much. I'm starting to think Notre Dame should bring back a guy like Manti Te'o or Stefan Tuit to be a grad assistant and move up to linebacker, defensive line coach, two NFL guys who I could see help Notre Dame recruiting a lot. Kids love coaches who played in the
1: NFL be great. I don't think either of them have any interest in doing it. I mean, Manta has right. already said that's not really what he wants to do. Yeah. Look, there's a reason why. Now, Notre Dame has their fair share of guys that are coaching. Anthony Weaver's coaching. Like, there's some Notre Dame guys that are coaching, but there's a reason why a lot of Notre Dame graduates don't get into coaching. And this isn't me just, like, getting on my Notre Dame high horse because I'm not a Notre Dame grad. But the fact of the matter is, is Notre Dame players – to get into coaching more often than not have to take pay cuts. That's just the reality. Todd, Todd, Light took a pay, took a pay cut to coach. Yeah. Simple as that. I mean, that's just it's wild. the reality. That's it. <laughs> really wild. Yeah. 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 So, and, and again, coaches make six figures folks. I mean, you know, so Todd lights one of those guys that probably made as much money, if not more after his football career than he did during, because he used the money he made during, and then his Notre Dame education to turn that into a lot more money. And yep. that's part of the reason you go to Notre Dame. So, but Todd Light went to Notre Dame and played during a period of time where they were putting a bunch of dudes into the first round of the NFL. So it certainly helps. Okay, let's get to some more here, Ryan. We're kind of getting close to to the end here. Let's get to a few of these here. Um, yep, this is a good one from John A one. John says, which had more
2: impact on Marcus Freeman being Notre Dame head coach requirements of field or eight and four or nine and four overall disappointing season and the momentum it took from the national image. than it was when he was a defensive coordinator. Sorry, I'm rereading that question in my mind real quick.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's a, it's a little bit of all of it, right? I mean, it, it, I think that the, off the field requirements is I think where he was going with that, you know, being, yeah. cause it's came up after we were talking about like, so I think it's that I don't think the nine and four has necessarily. Um, I mean, cause like it's not in, fact, in the 2025 class that much, not, it's, not right it's now, had so. more so on, on the 2024 class and it, it's, it matters. Right. But I think it's a combination of both of those things because I think the off the field stuff is also partly led into some of the, the, the learning process that Coach Freeman had with being nine and four, you know? And, and so I think it all kind of goes together to me, to be honest with you. But I, I think if I had to point to the two, I would argue that the nine and four probably had a bigger impact because if Coach Freeman had to learn his lessons about, you know, his role, but Notre Dame's coming off of a 12 and one season where they went undefeated, let's, let's say Notre Dame beats Ohio state, beats Marshall, Stanford, USC, they go 12 and 0 they go to the playoff, and they lose to Georgia the same exact way Ohio State does. Even with all the issues without Golden and Al Washington and Chris O'Leary and Coach Freeman, they're recruiting a little better than they are, at least defensively. I don't know how much better they can get with offensive recruiting right now, but defensive recruiting, maybe they never would have got Isaiah Canyon, would have got – Mark, they would have got Ryan Wingo early. I mean, you know, but other than that, I can't think of – like, I honestly – I don't know if – I'll just say this, Ryan, I've looked at uh, most of the top backs in the country and I've looked at like Taylor, Taylor Tatum's and these guys and I'm like, I would not yeah. trade that guy for Kedron Young, wouldn't, you know, and so I, I'm good there. I don't know how much better can get there. I don't know how much better the offensive line recruiting could be based on who you wanted. Right. You know, like Brandon Baker's not coming to Notre Dame where they won a national title because because they still aren't offering the one thing that's going to really matter in Brandon Baker's recruitment, right, if y'all are catching my drift on that one. Uh, yeah. You get Gearby Lambert and Peter Jones and Styles Prescott and Anthony Knapp in this offensive line year nationally. I don't know how much better it could have gotten than that, Ryan. So, but defensively, I think it would have moved the needle with a lot of guys. I do. I do. So I would say the yeah. on-field product. What's your thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, no, I think it's
2: definitely the on-field product for me. I mean, that, that's, eh. John, I think, especially because I think it's affected the 24 class because it's like more the immediacy, right? Like it's kind of how I feel. Like these guys are going to get, because the way I think of it, Brian, is you now have one season until the 2024 kids get there, right? So now it's a little bit of a smaller window of like, are they going to take a massive step forward or not? The 2025 kids, I think you're projecting out still a little bit further, right? Where you're still talking about future success. You're still talking about what Marcus Freeman's long-term vision is for the program. There's still a little bit more time to be able to get to those marks. So I think that's, but I think it's always the on field for me, John, like it always is. I think you, you hit that one, uh, Brian, very well in that regard. Thank you. Welcome, (laughs) James O'Reilly. I have heard a lot about the depth of the 2025 class on the defensive side of the ball. How is it looking on the offensive side, particularly the offensive line? Happy fourth. Offensive tackle class is bonkers in 2025, yeah. man.
1: It's very good. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, I think you and I would agree that if yeah. Notre Dame simply signed an offensive line class from kids that visited this spring, they're going to have a heck of an offensive line class, right? Yes. I mean, because you're talking about Owen Streebig, who's a dude. Yep. You're talking about uh, Rowan Byrne. Byrne, who yeah. isn't ranked real high right now, but I love that kid's film. I, mean, I starting to see, get ranked a little higher in some spots. Okay, it's like 100-something by one, I think. He's so, yeah. really good. Uh, yeah. If you got Avery Gack, uh, Josh Petty, and oh, yeah. Maddie, Maddie Augustine, if you got four of that five, and those are just kids that have visited already, that's one heck of an O-line class. Uh, receiver. Again, if they just got kids that have visited already, so yeah. let's say – McCutch McCutcheon, t- number one, Taylon Perry. That's my number one guy. Taylor. You got Taylon Perry. Uh, Taylor. Taylor. T- Taylin Taylin Taylor Taylor. Sorry, Cooper <laughs> Perry. Dalen like Cooper. Derek Meadows, Quincy Porter. Uh, all those guys have visited so far. If you got a three-man class from that group of five and then added Jerome Bettis Jr. in there, that's a heck of a receiver class. I could yep. say the same thing about tight end, same thing about running back. And same thing about quarterback. I mean, so things are trending in the right direction. This just comes down, James, to it's closing time, right? Like they've only yeah. got one offensive commit so far. So things are going in a good direction. It's just yep. now they got to close on some of these guys and, and not panic. Like the thing that you can't do is because 24 momentum is not going well, like feel the need to panic and rush to well, let's get some 25 kids into class really quick to get some momentum. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Yep. Um stay on, stay on course. Stay on course because I think things are going very well the 25 from what i can tell ryan so far is a really good class the one position i haven't been in love with the depth so far i don't love the running back class so far but it's still young they're still sophomores you know so there's some good players but i i don't know that i think it's as deep as some of the other positions in the class at this point in time and receiver is another one it's really deep at receiver i don't know if it's a if there's a lot of the like the 28, 2008 class had like Julio Green or Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Michael Floyd, Jonathan Baldwin, Dan Buckner. I mean, it was a load of five-star players. I don't know if I've seen that from the 2025 class, but it's super deep with really yeah. good players. I think the probably Ryan Williams and Taylor Taylor are the two best I've, I've seen so far. Now, again, there's a lot of kids I haven't seen yet. Ryan but, Williams is really good. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. He's very uh, good. But we saw him watching KJ Lacey because they're high school teammates. So a lot of those balls KJ Lacey's throwing are to, to Ryan Williams, and they both make each other a lot better because they're both <laughs> yes, they really do. good, really good. So yeah, Ryan, I mean, you agree with that? Offensive recruiting is is yeah. I should have so just strong. answered. I apologize, I think it's but
2: yeah, oh, no, I I mean, I kind of hit on most of it. So yeah, here's an
1: interesting one, Ryan. Address notre address
2: cheat sheet says would a lot of former notre dame players being involved in coaching at the nfl and college levels be a selling point to recruits who want to make football a profession i mean yeah i, I think it depends on who they are though i mean with I some kids like sure
1: player. yeah with some kids sure i don't know that a lot of kids go into college thinking i want to coach at least not the big time recruits i mean the big time recruits are thinking about the nfl playing in the nfl i don't i don't oh, think I, they're gonna I'd look I took this
2: question a little bit differently. I thought it was saying if if you had a lot of former NFL and college coaches on the staff, is that a sell to come play for those guys, is how, how I took that question.
1: Yeah, that would matter to a degree. Yeah, I kind of took it so, – so your answer is that, and I think that makes sense. My answer, I took it as more of like if there's a bunch of former Notre Dame players that are in coaching, could they sell that? I don't know if that matters a ton as far as like, ooh, look, there's a lot of – you can go there. Because to me it almost is kind of like, uh, I, I kind of think for Notre Dame, it loses. It would actually lose a little bit of its. Hey, our guys don't get into coaching that much unless they really, really love it because they're out. They're too busy. Too too busy making millions, you know, with their business ventures that they got because of that Notre Dame degree. You know what I mean? Like I, I think because again, Ryan, it's like everybody wants Notre Dame to do what other teams are doing. It's like why? Why? Why give up the thing that makes you different? It right. just makes no sense. Get the football part right. But the other stuff, the four for four, that's the best part of what you have. You know, I mean, yeah. Yep. And that's not the only pitch,
2: though, I think, is what people are missing sometimes in the mm-hmm. chat. It's like, that can't be your only pitch. Who said it was their only right. pitch?
1: It's just part of the pitch. Right, like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's just, yeah, we're not dealing in reality when it when it comes to that kind of comment. From Mr. 2.0, it seems to
2: me the common denominator is the administration not fully supporting the football program. At what point does the administration admit that they can do more to help the program and still be Notre Dame? Uh,
1: You know what, Ryan, I'm going to go back to now what I said during a Brian Kelly tenure. I don't want to hear about the administration until the football program is doing everything it can do now under its current circumstances to be successful. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame did not lose Justin Scott because of anything going on with the administration. Nothing. right? Zero. Right. It wasn't facilities. It wasn't any of that stuff. If they don't get Kingston, Viliyama Asa, it has nothing to do with Notre Dame's administration. So are there things the administration needs to do better? Yes. I, I've i had several of my epic rants have been about the administration not doing what it needed to do to support the football program. Absolutely. But right. I'll say the same thing about this staff that I said about that one, Ryan, you know, remember the article I wrote where Brian Coase complained about like not having a chef, not having a chef is why Notre Dame d- went for two against Northwestern when they should have kicked the extra point in 2014, or why they gave a jet sweep to Chris Brown inside the five yard line when that kid had never taken a jet sweep in his life in college. Right. I mean, it's not why you decided to roll out and throw a deep ball with Tommy, true freshman, Tommy Reese against Tulsa in 2010. Right. Like, those are. It's why your team. It's not why your team wasn't ready to play against Miami in 2017. It has nothing to do with those things. Fix those things, then you can focus on getting the administration to do their part. And so, if I, if I'm an administrator and I'm like, well, hold on a second, you're not doing this. That you're not even taking advantage of stuff that we're giving you, right? It's like if I'm Ryan, if I'm giving you a budget to spend, and for yeah. two, three years in a row, you sell, you go three hundred thousand dollars under that budget. Year four, I give you a budget that's more in line with your, what you've spent. You're gonna, you're not going to be like, well, hold on a second. Like, you know, I, I should get more money. Well, you haven't been spending all that money, right? I mean, so I'm giving you this money and you're not spending it. We need to be able to allocate that in other areas where it's being spent. So, right. and now if you were to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm meeting my, and, and you're not getting all the things that I've given you this money to budget. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. Then, you know, I don't want to hear it. But if I'm giving you the money and you're doing everything that you need to do, but you just need more because of the, the circumstance, then okay, cool. You've done everything I've asked you to do. You've done a great job at it. And yeah, I just, I need to give you more. You need more to take it to the next level. Then come talk to me. So why why, why would they change when it's the football program's not doing everything they need to do? Are, right. So yes, the support needs to be better. There's no question, but that's not why you lost Justin Scott. It's not why you're not, you know, you may not get Kingston, Viliama Asa. It's just not, it's just not. So. It's not, it's not, I mean,
2: long-term, it's obviously going to stifle some things, but to your point, it's not, it's not this situation, right? Like we need to isolate the situation and not make, we can't turn the situation into like the overarching conversation, right? Like that's kind of the biggest thing for me is that yes, with some things like coaching hires, for instance, buyouts that type of stuff like yes there is administration faults that have that are happening that can stunt the growth of a program there's no doubt about it but that's not why you lost justin scott to your points it's not why you lost
1: yeah oh some of the takes today tell you what All right, let's uh, get down to this one from Andre Tonsil, who always has takes that I like. So thank you, Andre. Uh, Andre says, mailbag, one,
2: develop players we have, two, recruit on a goal, uh, uh, recruits on a goal in mind, three, keep grinding on the recruiting trail, four, have a consistent message.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah, but and look what Andre has number one that's that's yeah. the key for Dame. i mean yeah. there's nothing more al golden can al Washington can do that and, and Al golden as well there's nothing more important that they can do right now for the next four months let's see july august september October November five months then develop the players you already have right there's nothing more important than that right now do that and then we can figure that other stuff out later flat mm-hmm. out because if you might man i i i screwed up this justin scott recruitment I need to go fix it. And Al Washington did everything he could to fix it. And Notre Dame goes out there and goes 8-4 and and the D-line can't get a pass rush. Won't matter. Right. Won't matter. If he would have done everything right from the beginning and Notre Dame got Justin Scott and they went out and went 8-4 and and the D-line couldn't get a pass rush, guess what? Justin's going somewhere else. Right? Right? So right now, that's the priority. Absolutely. Andre nailed it. That's the number one priority right now. And then just stay on. You no, know, make your changes you need to make but stay on track. Because they didn't have a great plan with Justin Scott and it just didn't work. They didn't carry out the plan. That's the problem. So yes, stay on track but develop 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 develop. Simple yep. as that. I mean I mean cuz
2: whether a, whether a player's number 1 priority is academics or the last on their list, the one common denominator for all recruits that they want to be on a good football team, right? Like right. that's that's the end all be all, and that matters. Yep.
1: All right, here's a super chat from uh, Iden Benami. Iden, thank you so much.
2: First time super chat, IB Nation. I feel like I'm in the minority of Notre Dame fans who are willing to trust Marcus Freeman and the recruits and evaluate after year four. Well. I
1: I think if you're when you say evaluate, I I think if you're referring to like a big picture evaluation of is are we are we is this the guy? Yeah, I think year four is a safer bet. I've always felt, Ryan, like unless a guy's just tanking like Ty Willingham was tanking, like I didn't need another year. Right. But more often than not, I want to see a guy get to his first full class to be done. I just kind of feel like that's the best way to go unless he's just really bad. But if you're going to talk about a value, there's, so that's, there's two types of evaluations. There's that. And then there's evaluating where you are. It's sort of kind of like Ryan, if you have a job and we've all had jobs like this, you were a teacher. So I'm pretty sure you had this. Yeah. Yes. You get a value at the end of the year, but there's always like along the way, evaluations. Yeah, We we had had several. Yeah. Right. We had
2: several evaluations.
1: Yeah. And so that's what the season is. That's what the recruiting seasons are. That's what the individual seasons are. It's all all part of that. And so you're evaluating it from that standpoint of, okay, if Coach Freeman comes out this year and there's certain things that are happening with the football team, and there will be a game this year, Ryan, that Notre Dame is going to play ugly football, and they're going to pull it out at the end. We're going to look at that and say, if this is exactly what happened against Stanford, or, or this is exactly what happened against Marshall last year. They laid an egg for three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, they stepped up, they made the stops on defense, they made the throws they needed to make, and they went and got it done. And we've seen that with some of the better Notre Dame teams. I mean, go look at that Pitt game in 2012 and then the Pitt game in 2018. All right? Notre Dame got outplayed by Pitt in, 28, in both years until the fourth quarter. The 2018 team is a perfect example. Ian Book sucked for like three quarters. Sucked against Pitt in 2018. Go look at what Ian Book did in the fourth quarter of that game, though. He completed yeah. like something like crazy, like eight of his last nine passes, including a touchdown pass to Miles Boykin. And we we'll say the 2022 team loses that game. The 2023 team, they made the plays. That comes down to coaching and development, and then players buying into what the coaches are selling. Right, Ryan? I mean that. So those yeah. are things you evaluate. But if they keep losing those games the same way, then you say, Hey, look. I know that I got to wait and be patient, but I'm seeing the same stuff I saw last year. So there's always that part of the evaluation as well. So I, I would look at evaluation really uh, in two different ways, in my opinion. Yep. Yep. We had Iden again with
2: another super chat. Thank you so much. He said, I'm co- I'm confused why we are recruiting Davis Andrews, who's going on a mission and not other kids who are actually playing football. Does it make sense to me? What I, I didn't, they've recruited a lot of other people. They've just, missed a lot of safeties in this class it's yeah. kind of the the that's the full scope of well, it
1: i mean and then also early on he wasn't leaning towards taking a mission yeah that that just happened like a month and a half right. or two
2: months ago like that was a pretty re- right because re- not re- every yeah. mormon kid yeah.
1: takes a mission before college or during college Manti never yeah. did Manti didn't take one uh, uh maris lewifau didn't take one kona schwenke didn't take one so there's been plenty of mormon kids who who, who don't do that and I, th- I think Kona and, and Manta or, and, uh, Maris were both Mormon. I could be wrong on Maris. I'm actually not sure if Maris is Mormon, but I'm pretty sure Kona was, uh, but yeah, they, they didn't take mission. So it's different for every kid, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, so it, it, the circumstances changed and, and I'll give Notre Dame credit for that. When they did change, they acted quickly to adjust and focus more on, you know, that's when Oliver Miles became a greater priority and Paul Menke became a greater priority. And it just, they ended up just missing on those guys, but I'll, I'll give them that they did adjust. As soon as that became a reality, they did adjust pretty quickly uh, yeah. to, to other guys. Right. I, I, would you agree with that? I mean, yeah. again, it didn't work out, but they, I think they, they moved pretty quickly on that one.
2: Yeah. And, and there's no reason that you can't recruit others and also still recruit Davis
1: Andrews. Cause he's a good football player. And right. you would like him in the future of your program, right? right? Like you don't have to separate the two is kind of my right. biggest thing. Right, so yeah, I, I think they, I think they made some good decisions. I think that, and oh, no, they man. just didn't get the job done at the end of the day, right?
2: I just, I just saw maybe the worst take
1: ever in the chat, man. It's not great. Oh goodness, which one? I don't. I don't uh it's
2: the one about Ian Book and Brady Quinn in there.
1: Oh, I don't. Even, I'm not even going there. Um, I will <laughs> absolutely lose it today. Absolutely <laughs> yes. lose it today if I have to. If so. Uh, here, here's one, Ryan. I'll ask you this one. Um, yep. So uh, Nathan Milton asks, what rating do you project for Justin Thurman's senior season? Uh, other than the fact I would say, I'm not really worried about a senior season yet because he still has to play his junior season. <laughs> right. But let's just focus on junior season. I think that's probably what Nathan meant. So let's go look at uh, junior season now that he's going to be more of the guy.
2: Yeah, I, I think Nathan, for me, that kid has all the talent that you need from an athleticism perspective, right? He has... The speed, obviously. He has the explosiveness. He's reported to have a high 30 in the in the vert. He's broad jumped over 10 foot. He's a track kid. He's obviously very explosive on the football field. If he is able to be very productive as much as his talent is indicating and his body develops properly, I think he will be a top 100 recruit when all is said and done. Mm-hmm. I think he has that type of upside. I mean, the kid, you can't teach the speed and the explosiveness that that young man has. You can't. So could he be? In a Jeremiah Love area at some point, it's possible. But I think Top Hunter, definitely. I mean, not many kids are as fast and as explosive as that young man is.
1: Yep. Here's one from Cole Barker. Uh, I'll ask this one, Ryan, because I know this is yeah. something that you've thought about. Uh, so I'll let you I'll, – I'll get this last couple. Uh, Cole yeah. Barker asked, sorry if answered, which we didn't. With Benedict Ume seemingly heading to sta- headed to Stanford, is there a way we jump in on It seems he's really high on academics. I, I, is there a way that you can
2: jump in on it? I mean, Colt possible, right? I mean, I just think that it comes down to defensive line recruiting. Like, do you want to retrace steps? And if he wasn't, if Benedict Ume was a guy that you didn't love it, and this is just my perspective on the staff. If they didn't love Benedict Ume, I do not want them to reverse and just go get Benedict Ume to fit a need. I would rather than just evaluate and be patient with this process right now, because looking back on it, I probably would have kept recruiting Benedict in May, but I think I may just like him more than the Notre Dame staff sure. a little bit. Because like, you, so and I, you and I, you and I have.
1: disagree on that. Like I'm not as yeah. high on him, right? Which yeah. happens. I mean, it happens sometimes, right? And yeah. I, and I usually don't get too upset about those, Ryan, because like, it, unless it's just wow, you're way off on that one, like, right. Right. I see where you're coming from on Benedict, and I think you can see where some of my reservations are on Benedict. It's it's okay. Sure. We can agree to disagree. There are some where you hear somebody say like, okay. That's just a, I don't know where you're coming. Like Cole, Cole Mullins, when somebody tells me he's a three-star, I, I I can't have a conversation with you because I just, I just, I, I just nuts to me. Um, Bryce Young. Okay. I understand it. Yeah. He's yeah. still very raw. I don't even have him as a four-star. I have him a three and a half star right now. Right. So I, I can see that one, but I can also understand why someone may say he's a four-star because they're looking at the tools and the potential on the upside. Right. It's fair, fair conversation to have. And I think that's where Benedict is. I, yeah. I think that the hard thing would be, Ryan, like I think you kind of alluded to this or said it, is you're going to have to now tell a kid that you said no to that you right, like him exactly. now. Like, exactly. that's what this whole circling back to, the, like, you all are absolutely right. And I mean, you, no, Cole, it's a very fair question. I would ask it if I was in your shoes, right? And I would say, you know, what about Jason Robinson and quasi humor? And, and all those are very fair questions, but y'all have to remember, NerdA basically said no. no to these kids. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so now it's like, no, we were just kidding. You know, um, that's a hard thing to do. And honestly, when I was 17, 18 years old, I wouldn't have taken that very well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Whatever you say. If I care about academics, I'm going to go to Stanford and play right away and still get a great degree. You yeah. know,
0: so
2: Every, everybody's different. But me personally, if a coach passed on me and said I wasn't good enough or like another guy was better than me and that's the guy they wanted, And then they tried to circle back. I'd be like, dude, kick rocks <laughs> like not, not a chance, like not at all. I'm going to beat you now at this point. Like, yep. I'm not doing that. But.
1: Right. Exactly. 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 All right. Let's get to the, here. Here's kind of this last one, Ryan, that I want to get to. Okay. And this is an example of we're just not having like a real conversation here.
0: And, from, and 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 yeah.
1: this is from number one ND fan, which I, I, I part of me wonders if like this is like a troll account or something with the avatar. But it says it can't be your number one emphasis with talking about rec- academics. Okay, it can't be your emphasis with number one with uh, your number one emphasis with top ten kids who aren't planning on staying long enough for a degree. Again, we're not dealing in reality. We're not because it's a part of the pitch. It's a part. So of So many, and here's the other thing. So. Bryce Young, I believe from Alabama, I believe, got his degree, correct? Didn't Bryce mm-hmm. get his degree from Alabama? He did. Five yeah, star recruit, three years. top 10 recruit, number one overall draft pick, Heisman oh. Trophy winner, degree recipient. Yes. Like most of these kids, a lot, not most, a lot of these kids are getting degrees in three years. Yeah. And Bryce, I, Bryce Young qualified for the Senior Bowl as a truce junior, which is pretty crazy. Because that, so. that goes with graduation, correct, Ryan? Like you, Yes, you have to be graduated so, if you're a junior. Yep. So the, the the point is to say Christian Wilkins was at Clemson for five years. Got two degrees. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like to say, and he was a five star recruit to say that these kids don't care about academics is just wrong. Now, in basketball, that's true. And mm-hmm. it's not that kids don't care, Ryan. It's just if I'm as good as I think I am, I'm only in college for really one year, kind right. of. And it's really that first semester. I just got to make sure I stay eligible for the second semester, right? Because these kids aren't – these. that's different. Football players have to stay long enough to get a degree if you want one. And the idea that that elite players, which are mostly what, Ryan? They look a certain way, and they're from a certain yep. part of the country. And right. there's this notion they don't care about academics. That, that's false. just not – that's not accurate. the only reason Keon committed to Notre Dame and stayed with Notre Dame as long as he did is because of that. Yep. And I can promise you right now, if the, if the football at Notre Dame was even close to Alabama, he's at Notre Dame. That's just a fact. The only reason Caleb Downs made multiple visits to Notre Dame was because of the academics. That's it. Both his parents are in the education fields. Like, yeah, exactly. But you couldn't give him what he needed in football. Now, when that changes, like, why did Notre Dame recruit four straight number one recruiting classes back in the 80s and 90s? Is it because uh, they stopped asking kids to go to class? (laughs) Is it because kids back then cared more about academics than they do now? I don't think I'd actually argue kids nowadays and in this current generation care more about the academics than they did when I first started following recruiting. I would argue that it's actually because kids are more aware now of what's beyond football. They have to do, they have to sell the football part better. Yeah. Sell the football part better and stop selling your academics. And you're going to be back to square one, same results. Yep. make the football part better, still sell what makes you unique. The notion that I'm going as a note as Notre Dame, that I'm going to stop selling the best attribute that we have is nonsense to me. You can't sell it and think it's going to be enough. That's the difference for most kids it's going to get you in a ball game then you have to have something else what helped Substance. with Jaden Greathouse and some of those guys last year is the fact that coach Stuckey and and coach Reese were selling a new vision for for so there wasn't like the season of this wasn't very good to work with so you kind of got away with that a little bit but there are going to be some kids that buy into that vision the fact is is if you if you do better in football you put more kids in the NFL why does Notre Dame recruit the offensive line the way it does? Can, can someone explain that to me? Is there something different about offensive linemen? Yeah, they're a little different. Is there something different about tight ends and offense? No, why? Because they put those kids in the NFL. Hey, guys, it wasn't that long ago Notre Dame struggled to recruit top offensive linemen consistently. Go look at the Charlie Weiss and Ty Willingham era. They got some guys, Sam Young, some guys here and there, but for the Matt Carey fell. But for the most part, they didn't recruit great offensive lines. Why? because it wasn't O line U like it was when Harry Heestand showed up. He made it that way by putting four guys into the first round of the NFL draft in like 7 years. Now all of a sudden, Notre Dame's put in it, they're starting tight end in the NFL. I believe every year since 1998 has been drafted. Since 2010, no team has had more first, second and third round players combined going in the first and the first three rounds of the draft at tight end than Notre Dame. Nobody. Yeah. The next closest is three. Notre Dame has had six. So, guess what? Notre Dame gets big time tight ends. It's not rocket science, people. And you talk to Nate Roberts. You're going to tell yeah. me that the academic piece didn't matter to him. It did. Oh, big time. But you know what yeah. else mattered? I can get that. And be Michael Mayer. Here's what yeah. you hear from, from, from offensive linemen. Here's what you hear yeah. from tight ends. I get the best of both worlds in Notre Dame. Right? Here's what you get from cornerbacks recently. I get the best of both worlds in Notre Dame. Defensive linemen can't say that. Right? Quarterbacks can't say that. Yeah. Because they're not producing that. So, you know, the fact that, that's that's like Alabama asking Alabama to stop talking about all the titles they've won.
0: That's
1: silly. Why would you stop recruiting the best thing about you? But you just got to make sure you're not getting your brains beat in in the other two areas. That's the key. Football is important to these kids. It should be. Academics are important to a lot of these, all of them. No, there are some kids in top 10, Ryan, that just do not give two rips about academics. And it has nothing to do with how long they're going to stay in school. Stenson Bennett was in school for seven years and he got zero degree, zero degrees at at Georgia, right? It was six, but yeah, it's it's about It's about how much you value. Do you value it or not? And there are plenty of kids that do. It's just, they also understand that I also value that. And until Notre Dame can do that, they're always going to come up short with some of these kids. Don't stop selling the best thing you have as a as a counterweight to that. That that is a that is such a bad argument to make. Yeah. You just can't rely on it as the only thing you're selling. That's right. the it's that's a, the difference, it, right? It's the absoluteness, right? It's like, oh, all Notre Dame
2: sells is academics. It's like, no, <laughs> that's that's not yeah. actually a, a true statement. Right. So yeah, cool, man. Cool. But yep. yeah it's going to appeal to the players that care most about it. And you still have other parts of the pitch that will appeal to other players. Like it's, it's yeah, it's just, it's not absolute right. like people try to make it act like it is. Right.
1: And that's the thing is we're, we're just too many shallow arguments. And, and that's yeah. the thing is, is for me to say all these kids care about academics, that's just nonsense. Cause they don't. Yeah. And, and, and if you sold this better, you'd get all these, I'm not saying that, but it's also just as equally wrong to say none of them do, or most of them don't. There's just, There's no proof in that because, and how do I know? It's not the schools they choose. It's what they do when they're there. Bryce Young had zero motivation from a football standpoint to graduate in three freaking years with very high academic standards. It wasn't like just that that Bryce Young graduated in three years, Ryan. He thrived academically in three years. Yeah. You know, so, so that's the difference. Why? What was the reason why, Ryan? There was nothing in it for him to do that from a football standpoint. Because that's just who he is. That's, that's how he was amazing. raised. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and so why did he go to Alabama? Same reason Jimmy Clausen picked Notre Dame. Right? It's I simple. mean, it's as simple as that. So um, I guess the reason it matters, Ryan, is because if you're if you're Notre Dame can't fix the problem if you can't properly address it right right you got to know what the problem is to actually be able to fix it that's basically what it comes down to for me yep so
0: all right Ryan. that's gonna do it
1: that's gonna do it for uh for today's show why don't you go and take us out of here man
2: Yep, We appreciate everyone. We know that this uh, this podcast had a little bit of negativity at times, but it was the real world that we have to talk about a little bit, but we appreciate everybody. We had 600 plus consistently throughout this entire podcast. So before you go, if you could just hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast, notification bell, as you'll obviously know when we're going to be popping up with an up show. Back tonight, six o'clock Eastern time for IB Nation Sports Talks. So make sure you come back to the show for that. But Ryan Roberts, Brian Driscoll. Appreciate everybody. Also go to com. We have a lot of intel that we're going to continue to put out as we get closer and closer to the season. We're only 50-something days away from football now, college football, which is absolutely incredible. So smash that like button. Thank you all so much. We'll be back again with you all very soon on the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour, a part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast.